0: Welcome to The New Chemist. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms. Here on The New Chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as careers, community, research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. Changing things up a bit this season, we will focus on several other aspects of chemistry, particularly Nobel laureates. First, Nobel highlights. Fleck and L.K. James' Nobel laureates in chemistry highlights the first chemistry Nobel laureate, who was Jacobus Van Hoff. He was born in 1852 and died in 1911. He received the first Nobel Prize in 1901 at 49 years old. The prize was given for his work and discovery of the laws of chemical kinetics and other laws governing the osmotic pressure of solution. Some background on Bandhaus. He was the son of a physician and was interested in experimental chemistry from a little boy. After completing secondary school, he studied practical chemistry at the Polytechnic School of Delft. Distinguishing himself at Delft, he completed the three-year course in a shorter time frame and placed first in the examination in 1872. Even so, to learn more about chemistry, he spent the winters of 1872 to 1873 with August Kekulé and in 1874 with Charles Worth. His contribution on the implications span wide from physical chemistry with kinetics to biological chemistry, with some of the investigations of enzymes being derived from his work. Indeed, an excellent scientist. My guest today, is Keshiv shiv Havendran. Thanks for joining me today. It is good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. Keshiv graduated from Georgia Tech in 2018 with a Bachelor of Science in Biomedical Engineering and is currently pursuing a medical degree from New York Medical College. Keshiv has participated in a variety of research projects starting with the Verma lab at Albert Einstein College of Medicine, studying therapeutic targets of myelodysplastic syndromes and leukemia, and most recently completed two projects at Westchester Medical Center, studying the respiratory circulate of subarachnoid tumor H, and the demographics and specific causes of mortality of patients suffering from convulsive status epilepsy. Please welcome, Keshav Raghavanjyam. Hi Keshav, it's so good to have you on. Thanks again for joining me. So, um, let's get started. What have been your long-standing interest in the field of science?
1: Yeah, so I've been interested in science for such a long time, since childhood, really, um, and there's a lot of different things that really that, that brought me to it, and I think I think the, the first and most important one was just the constant kind of learning and evolving that science occurs through, and if you're someone that practices science or is part of the scientific field, you go through the same kind of development and evolution as well, you know, you are constantly learning things. Every field is constantly evolving, so you're never stagnant. You're always changing as as times change, as things change. You know everything changes, so you change with it. And I think the second thing that really drew me to science was that you're able to make a real, tangible impact on people's lives. You know, with with your understanding of science and your understanding of how things work, you can manipulate things and change some things so that you can, you know, potentially fix some problems or even be proactive about things to really make a significant impact upon people in the world that we live in. I think those two factors were huge reasons why I was drawn to science and can constantly pursue the scientific field.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you because, you know, um, I think uh, I've come to understand that the more you learn, the more you realize there's so much more to learn.
1: Absolutely.
0: As, um, you know, I think even now, especially during this pandemic time, we can see the significance of science and the use of science in terms of developing and eventually testing the vaccination for Mm -hmm. COVID-19. Also in our daily use daily lives in which we go to doctors and sit down on the science teachers and on the science professors and perform research in my case. Uh, as well as you you Mm -hmm. well so um how do you maintain view of the bigger picture in your life and in your career in general given all of the difficulties which i'm sure you've faced Mm -hmm. all of the challenges and which a lot of people are facing due to this pandemic how do you maintain view of the bigger picture
1: Yeah. So just like you said, it is very, very, very difficult. And at times it's very easy to get kind of bogged down by the minutia, you know, the everyday little challenges that we face. And, you know, especially with the pandemic, just things are magnified, you know, times 10 or even more. But Mm -hmm. I'll kind of give you an example. So recently, so with, with medical education, what we have are like graded clinical examples. Basically we're being, we're told to like, okay, go take a history and physical on a patient um this patient will then grade you based on you know how well you perform the physical and things like that so i just recently got uh my grade back for one of my encounters and i was like looking through the checklist and i was you know kind of getting frustrated about like where i lost some points you know i was like i mean it's it's such little things that you lose points on but then at the end of the comment section the patient wrote I felt very well respected, I felt heard, and I felt that if you were my doctor, I would be well taken care of. And honestly, once I read that one statement, all of my anger, all of my frustration went out the window. I was like, okay, you know what? I can get better. Uh, you know, the maybe the patient's criticisms was valid and uh, you know, the specific techniques, you know, we can always get better at that. But at the end of the day, why i'm doing what i'm doing is for the patient and it's to make this patient feel like they have a partner in healthcare so taking little things like that realizing what's the bigger goal of it all what are you really trying to achieve Mm -hmm. and kind of validating that made Mm -hmm. me feel like okay this is all worth it like the challenges that i'm facing you know academically right now um personally just Mm -hmm. It's, it's all for something. It's all meant for something. So just hearing that validation made it just real, made me realize, okay, it's all going to be worth it. Yeah.
0: You know, I can say a lot of things on that. Um, it's important to be focused on specific things in terms of uh, having a growth mindset, which is very important. As mm-hmm. well as, you know, validation is important. And it's a, it's It plays a large role in a lot of people's uh, growth in academia, as well as even in the lab. Having a professor say you did a good job is significant. (laughs) Having a professor say you're on the right path, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. does does compliment. So I've read your bio and we knew each other beforehand, before you went to medical school. So um, my question to you is, How have you been adaptive and creative in the field of science? Yeah, so, I mean, from where
1: I'm at right now, I'm definitely in the, you know, I'm still a student, I'm still in the learning phase um, before. I I, I don't think I can make any like real significant contribution yet. But the ways that I've been creative and, and adaptable is mainly in that learning is how I choose to understand and kind of process information because with science and with, you know, just medicine, the field that I'm in, there's, there's so much. There's just so much information. Um, I believe one of your other guests, uh, Tommy, he said, it's like drinking water uh, from a fire hose. And that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. There's just so much. So, you know, I'm not the type of person that can sit down and read a textbook for like eight to 10 hours a day. So I've had to be, you know, pretty creative with just the ways that I, you know, understand some things or even memorize some things, you know, um, there's lots of resources outside that kind of put, let's say a specific medical condition, they'll put it in like a picture so that you're making associations with words and specific clinical symptoms and treatments and they'll all put it together. And like, that's how I've chosen to learn different diseases so that. When a question comes up or when a patient presents with a specific set of symptoms i'm now making the association so just from handling all that information how i choose to apply it i think has been the real way that i've been the most creative or adaptable at least right now hopefully i make more significant impacts in the future so that you know i can say that you know i did something new or i did something new to help someone but as of right now that's where
0: i'm at Okay, that's good. And also, um, actually, before I get to that, so you said that you've been adaptive and creative in your learning style, your approach to the content. Mm-hmm. Um, so in what ways, give us some examples of some resources that you use for people who are listening.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's tons of things out there, um, specifically for medical students. I'm sure that they've all heard of this. Or if you're going into medical school, you'll definitely hear about these. But Sketchy is a big one. Um, and right. uh that's the picture thing that i was talking yeah. about um yeah. okay. a good tool for kind of because inevitably with medicine you're just gonna have to end up memorizing some things is anki it's basically mm-hmm. a um like kind of like a flash card. i want to say that it's basically a flashcard device but it has its own algorithm for spatial repetition and yeah. memory and things like that so it's yeah, a good yeah. good tool um personally what i've what i've done is uh, i've kind of brought it back to some of our engineering roots with the ways that we've kind of like understood things back in uh, some of our intro uh bme classes where we've had to just you know they just kind of threw us a problem and we had to just go understand it and break it down in our own terms so a lot of the body with comes to like blood flow blood flow or circulation i'm breaking it down into like um, pressures and flows and just understanding like resistances, like understanding it through that means so if you're breaking it down that way um it kind of made more sense to me just because was going back to things that i've been dealing with for a couple of years now so um yeah those are just those are the couple of ways that i've been trying to learn everything
0: that's good dude that's good you know for me um I, I remember you may not remember this but i remember a while back this is when we were still at budget tech um i think it was me you and a few other people and I uh, started building off one of my rocks with amino acids. Yes, yes, I do remember, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So uh, for me, that's kind of how I learned uh, things. I put it to a rhythm, I make a rhyme. Also, I use associations, draw pictures and stuff like that. But for me, my main modality is through uh, rhymes and rocks. And, lyrics. and we, all
1: have, we all have our own unique ways to learn
0: things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know you have to make sure we are enjoying it. But I, I would just throw this out there to you. Um, I've interviewed several other people, and one of the ways, and also graduate students and medical students, and one of the ways they have also been able to make an impact is also through mentorship. So maybe mm-hmm. may be something you may want to consider. So um, I'm sure that a lot of people, a lot of people are trying to get into medical school, and you, you achieve that. So I think that's commendable. Uh, so... My question to you on that note is to this point in your studies, how have you been able to be successful? You were able to graduate, you were able to get into medical school and so far you've been progressing. How have you Mm -hmm. been able to maintain the success that you need to progress from stages from graduation to medical school? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, um, the, the question itself is, is very focused on me but when when I think about why I'm where I am is mainly because of the people around me you know I have to give um, a ton of people a lot of credit for helping me out through the entire process starting with my family who's just been there for me through everything um, my mother is a physician so she's been a wonderful role model and a, and a leader basically guiding me you know throughout the the medical field and Whenever I have any challenges, she's just like, yep, I faced the exact same thing. Don't worry, kid, you're on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, also my friends who are basically my second family. Um, they've been there for me through everything, you know, personally, academically, any problems that I've faced, you know, they've, they've been there for me. They've, they're the reason that like, I feel like I've grown as a person throughout the years. They've, they challenged me, they've supported me, they've taught me things, I've taught them things. So both just the people around me has been a major major reason why I'm at where I'm at And you know I think I don't think there's anything really special about me I think you know I'm just persistent I'm stubborn like yeah, you know I if I uh fail one time you know I'm gonna get right back up and keep trying until someone else you know so I just can't keep going anymore so I I think that's, that's really the only thing, you know, I'm not like the smartest person, I'm not the most talented, but I am, you know, I'm, I'm persistent and I, I think maybe that's probably the only thing that's kept me
0: going really. That's good, yeah, I'm, for me too, it's the same. I'm not any genius or anything that. thought, but one of the things I do say, or one of the things I do do is I work hard mm-hmm. um, and I, I believe in being persistent. It's interesting that you use the word stubborn because one of the professors from MIT that I interviewed said the exact same thing about himself. He said, I'm just stubborn. Yeah, I-, I stick with it and I go along yeah. as he was uh, discussing his work in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic and his contributions there. Um, also, continuing on, um, how have you sought or found the right environment to use to thrive scientifically and intellectually? Why did you, in other words, why did you choose Georgia Tech and why did you choose New York Medical College to study medicine? Well, I guess, I
1: guess the, uh, I guess from a general point of view, when it comes to the environment, just like I said before, it's, it's surrounding yourself by the right people. Um, Those people have caused me to grow both personally and academically. And then when it comes to both tech and, and YMC, well, I chose tech mainly because it was it was first of all away from home. I had grown up in the northeast for eighteen years at that point. So I just wanted to kind of leave and go somewhere different and tech was different. It's in the south, you know, completely different in the northeast and um, there was no one that I really knew at tech. I was kind of just on my own, you know, there was no like oh like if I went to let's say a local university, you know, I could always come home if things were difficult or you know, I just wasn't feeling right. But you know, when, when you're like 800 miles away, it's a little bit more difficult. So it just, I was kind of out there on my own, which I wanted to be. I just wanted to see if, you know, if I could make it. Okay. And then when it comes to NYMC, I think at that point I'd realized that, okay, I think after four years of being on my own, I, I, I can do it. Uh, and then I chose NYMC mainly because of the, just the opportunities and the proximity to New York City. So and just the opportunities that it would afford me, you know, tons of hospitals, tons of different populations like it's a diverse population um kind of the the patients that we treat you know whether it be in the bronx or manhattan or westchester it's oh wow whole different subsets of populations so we see a whole different um oh, right. the disease profile yeah you know so it's just it's just the variety i think that's what really drew me there
0: okay good so yeah the diversity is so important and I think that risky complements the learning in several ways and not just with diverse populations. So um you said you were in New York City. So how my question to you is, how have you been able to matriculate with the COVID nineteen pandemic and clinicals and being in New York? How is that played? That interplay between those three variables? How is that played out?
1: Yeah, it's been very difficult. So I actually started medical school last year before the pandemic started. So that was kind of like normal and baseline and just uh-huh. comparing last year to this year. So they should completely virtual, all classes are virtual, very few clinical encounters. Um, okay. So basically kind of the way med school works is your third and fourth year are purely clinical. Mm-hmm. You're in, you know, some rotation site constantly, but first and second year, they kind of try to get your feet wet, but with just the amount of restrictions and um, the amount of, you know, Kind of safeguards that you have to go through it's been very difficult um thankfully our school has been really trying to get us still into clinic somehow some way so uh when i do go back to campus they're gonna start giving us preceptors or mentors that we'll be able to shadow and like you know potentially work with some patients so it's been very difficult for sure but i think you know you can't avoid the pandemic one way or another especially if you're trying to go into medicine it's, it's a reality of life so You know, you kind of have to take the right safeguards and just kind of get in there and, you know, do what you can
0: to really make a difference. Yeah, I agree. You can't avoid every difficulty you can't avoid. Many times you have to to acknowledge it, embrace it, come up with a strategy to deal with it, and progress through it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, dude, I agree. Um, Even for me, um, I'm in graduate school right now, and the pandemic has affected us in terms of the formality of the instruction, and even with lab interactions so i completely agree um, so given your responsibilities and accomplishments how do you maintain a balance? body life to stress in medical school right now
1: is to avoid physician burnout and and you know maintain some sort of work-life balance because it's so easy to get lost and um, you know i i could definitely get better i'm not going to say i'm an expert at it at all um, but i think for right now what's worked best for me is just you know physically scheduling breaks like i, I turned into a big scheduler i like to know what my day is gonna be and mm-hmm. i schedule um scheduled breaks just force myself to take a break somehow some way you know I, I literally will write down okay lunch go make food or go take a shower now you know like it's 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 to that point um i'm also a big sports guy so um thankfully like there are some sports on and they're usually at night. So that's usually when my break is whenever some, yeah. one of the games is on or something like that. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice way to like kind of schedule my break around something that's already a preset time. But other than that, you know, sometimes you just feel like cooped up in the, in my room all day. That's where I do all of my studying. So I just feel, you know, locked in my room all day. So sometimes I just go out and run just to like get the blood pumping and just, you know, see the outdoors the first time in a couple days so just yeah, okay. physically putting it in my schedule and you know forcing myself to do it really um really gets me to take it and then I think the most important thing is when you're taking your break fully enjoy it you know sometimes what I used to do in undergrad was okay I'll watch the watch the game but I'll also like try to do some studying on the side some like busy work that I don't really need to pay attention with and you end up not getting either done. You don't ever watch it fully you don't ever get the work done properly. So um, I realize that you need to fully focus. Don't multitask. Don't try to like, you know, do it halfway. Fully enjoy it. And then when you're done, fully get to work.
0: Yeah, I completely do that That's good. That's very good. i might take it. Uh, I'm probably going to down. Because, you know, in several ways, um, when we uh, decide to rest, I think we should make sure that we're intentional with resting, mm-hmm. not just uh, trying to. Oh, out of guilt, I'm going to do some work on the side as well, yeah, yeah. or go to the gym. And then you carry a book with you, like a textbook yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I completely. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there with you in terms of making sure you fully rest. So, um, continuing on. Uh, why did you choose biomedical engineering as a field to major in during your undergraduate year? Why did you choose it?
1: Yeah, so it was actually, I, you're asking me for why I chose it, but it was almost a, a little bit of indecision. Like I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do coming in, coming out of high school. Like I knew that I wanted math to be, um, like I wanted a big math like, component of my um, future career. I also like biology, chemistry, just all of the sciences. So I knew I wanted to do something in there. And when I heard about biomedical engineering, it was a big kind of like a big mishmash of everything. You know, you'd learn this, you'd learn that. You learn a little bit of everything so that you could eventually go do something with it. You know, you're learning all these skills and you're gonna take these skills and you can do whatever you want with it. So that not being forced down a specific pathway or not being like, okay, you can only do this one thing really drew me toward biomedical engineering. Cause it was just, you're gonna learn skills, what you do with those skills is up to you, and I kind of—that's what really drew me towards biomedical engineering, especially
0: at the start. So the versatility and skill set. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Versatility and skill set. and you know, for me, what drew me to biomedical engineering was I was interested in device design. So, mm-hmm. at the time, so those are things that drew me. So, why did you choose medicine as a field to do your doctoral studies in? Yeah, why did so you medicine? almost yes. the uh, med school interview question why choose medicine why yeah yeah why... yeah
1: and um i mean i don't know if this is the traditional med school answer but like i remember one of for for our bme classes towards the end we'll see around i think this was around senior year for one of the classes um i'll never forget this so the professor introduced a guest being like well this dude this guy has um sold his startup for you know I don't know, tens or $20 million. So, you know, you're getting the best educated, you know, you you know, you're getting the best guy here. I just kind of looked at myself and I was like, is this really how I want to be introduced for the rest of my life as just how much money I made or how much money I made someone else? And I was like, no, I want my self-worth to be valued from what I can do for people for how much I can help someone. Like, yeah, of course, money is great, but That's not what I want to be known for at the end of the day. That's not, you know, what I want to be remembered for. And that was like the eureka moment of, yeah, I don't think engineering is for me. I was, I was kind of on the fence and that's what really pushed me towards medicine. Just the idea that your worth is what you can do for someone else. You know, that's what mattered more to me than anything else. And that's why I got into biomedical engineering. Like I imagined a day where like I'd be in my own office, you know, designing, devices for patients you know working with them working with their lifestyles mm-hmm. and the more i learned about biomedical engineering the more it just wasn't like that and the more medicine was turning out to be like that where it's you know you're working with patients to come up with solutions you're you know it's not just the general you know okay i'm the doctor listen to me you're, you're working with the patient to come up with the solution that's best for them like i have the information but you're the expert in your own life so let's work together to come up with a solution for that that's what I realized like that's what I wanted and that's what I'm getting from medicine and that's why I chose medicine and I'm I'm so happy I stuck with that choice for that reason.
0: That's very good I completely agree it's not this uh I agree on several in several ways our self worth should be tied to intrinsic core values Mm -hmm. and not just monetary descriptors um, even though in many ways people say your net worth is tied to those monetary descriptors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your self-worth, I think, decide to call value. That's just my perspective and it seems like it's yours as well. So um, uh, along the same line, uh, what advice do you have to those wanting to pursue the field you are currently studying in? So you just said that you're interested in medicine. Uh, and your interest is tied to how you want to help people and how you want there to be a dialogue in the the clinical environment in which both of you approach the situation, you with your expertise, the patient with their situation, expert in how they're feeling, Mm -hmm. and you come to some beneficial conclusion. So what advice do you have to those wanting to pursue the field you're currently studying in?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of kind of aspects to that so I guess the first thing that I would say is yes it's great that you you want to help someone and and I'm sure that's the core of everyone who wants to go into medicine yes we all want to help people but if that's the only reason you're going into medicine medicine may not be it for you there has to be some sort of kind of selfish motivator that's driving you towards medicine and for me it was the constantly learning, constantly developing. Like I, I wanna be a better person 10 years from now than I am today, I wanna to be much better. And medicine allows me to do that. So I would say really make sure that medicine is for you because it's, it's a long, long grind, you know, from the day you enter medical school till the day you get your first real job is probably close to like 10 years. So to go through 10 years of school and then residency and then fellowship or whatever extra schooling you wanna do, you have to make sure that there's something in it for you that there's some internal gain that you are getting from medicine that no other field can give you and that's what will really drive you to be the best physician or whatever role of healthcare you want to be um other than that you know be be patient and be persistent you know it's it's a Mm -hmm. long 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 grind um like a lot of people, what they do is they, they go into a career right out of college. And then once they're done with that, they choose to come into medical school. So there's mm-hmm. no real rush, you know, being like, I have to go straight into medical school right out of undergrad. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. The The average, I think the average age of my incoming class is 27. So if you're graduating around 23, 24, you know, people have worked for a couple of years. People, a lot of students have children, have families. So, you know, like have a life outside of medical school if you want to have a life before medical school that's absolutely fine you know just be patient you know if you have to apply multiple times you if you have to redo some coursework redo the mcat it's all perfectly fine you know it's a long journey no one Mm -hmm. really cares if you did it right the first time just do the best that you can in every aspect um yeah
0: yeah that's that's basically it Okay, that's good being patient and persistent because at the end of the day we're all on journey and also path from different so just because one person went to medical school in two years after undergrad or one year in the traditional or just went directly after doesn't mean you have to do the thing
1: absolutely yeah. absolutely absolutely all that matters is the care that you can give to the patient so whatever gets you to do the best for that that's all that matters doesn't matter
0: uh, what path you take. You, you said that perfectly. Yeah. So, um, Keisha, um, what has been some of the most beneficial advice you have received? Huh. So advice that I've received. So
1: I wouldn't say this has been explicitly told to me, but I think what all of my mentors have tried to really emphasize upon me or, or, or get me to do it, I think the best way to sum it up is, you know, Fall in love with the process of becoming great. You know, really enjoy mm-hmm. the, the really enjoy the kind of struggle that you're going through now. You know, mm-hmm. for yes, it's it's for some other bigger picture goal. Like, yes, me. You know, studying right now is for to eventually become a doctor. But if I don't enjoy it now, I'm I'm not going to enjoy being that physician. I'm not going to enjoy the work that I'm eventually going to have to do. So really enjoy the struggle, the hard work, all the skills and experiences that you're learning, all the kind of mistakes that you make throughout the process, because that's what you're eventually going to learn from. You learn more from your mistakes than all of your successes. So really just enjoy that process. Get good at just getting back up after you make a mistake and, you know, keep going. That's the only way that you're going to learn, I think. People showing me that really taught me to be persistent and taught me to just keep going no matter what because that's
0: that's the only right thing to do, just keep going. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's important to embrace the struggle and uh, in our process to become doctors, lawyers, accountants, professors, uh, technicians. Um, it's important to be a person of value, not mm-hmm. just um, uh, someone who can bring value and someone who has core value. The group. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think it's also important to watch out for the destination policy in which you think I must arrive to this place, then I'll be happy. Or, I must arrive to this next phase, then I'll be happy. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, dude. So my last question for you, Kaysir, before we conclude, um, perfect scenario. Given this pandemic, I take it we all have had uh, situations where we could say, "I wish something was a little different." If you had to come up with a perfect scenario. Um, in the next five years, mm-hmm. what would it be within the context of your medical education and life? Would it, would it be? Well,
1: hmm, that's a great question, and I think I think my my first I don't know if this would be the my my answer maybe in a couple of days, but my first gut reaction went to kind of something that I've been thinking about for a while is that this whole pandemic has kind of taught all of us the the importance of health and hygiene, you know, yeah. just taking everything very seriously. You know, it's very easy to catch a cold or, you know, catch a flu. We really? see how easy it is to catch COVID just from you know going outside, going to a restaurant, you know, you could still be masked up and you would take all the proper precaution. You could still, you know, still catch a virus. So I think the perfect situation for me right now is that we all take our health a lot more seriously. Mm-hmm. We understand how fragile it is and mm-hmm. how truly important and precious our health is and how, in, how much we need to take care of it for the long term. I think for me right now, that's the
0: answer that I would say is a perfect scenario. Oh, that's good. It's important for everyone to realize that their health and your health is very important. So, Kasev, thanks again for joining me today. It is good to have you on. It was good to have you on. Thank you. Next, we have big ideas in organic chemistry. Structure of molecules, part one. The structure of three dimensional molecules can be predicted using an application of correctly drawn Lewis dot structures, which is called valence shell electron pair repulsion theory or Galepsi Niholm theory, named after Ronald Galepsi and Ronald Nihome. This is so interesting. VasPOR involves valence bond theory showing all valence electrons, and including bonding and non-bonding electrons, in some cases referred to as lone pairs, and maximizing their separation in three-dimensional space, so as to minimize repulsion. And this is, of course, connected to coulomb law. Vespa is an alternative that can inform and start the journey in understanding molecular geometry, whether it be linear alkyne, Trigonal planar arrangement of the carbon atoms in some alkenes, or the tetrahedral arrangement of the carbon atoms around some carbon atoms in alkenes. The key idea, ladies and gentlemen, is that the valence electrons repel, and thus the electrons will take on, so to speak, an arrangement that minimizes the repulsion. <music> thanks for listening we're glad you were able to tune into this podcast once again this is the new chemist where we discuss chemistry which simply put is the science of change as well as the other sciences careers community research and covid 19 Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I.